0: Well, g'day, hey Stan. Welcome to the Compassion Initiative podcast. I'm here again with James Kirby. G'day, James. Hi Stan, how you doing? My name's Stan Steindl, and also I'm very delighted to announce that we're today with the Science of Compassion class. A number of, or oh, full of, wise minds and kind hearts are uh, uh, here with me at the moment. Uh, hello, everyone. <laughs> Hello! Oh, good. Um, yes, no, this is, uh, this is a wonderful beginning, our first podcast um, from the Science of Compassion course, uh, and today's been uh, the first couple of presentations as well. We've had Susan? Suzanne. Suzanne, sorry, um, looking at what ways can we measure compassion, and Abby uh, was talking about are children capable of compassion. Um, What are your thoughts, James? How how did you think it's gone today?
1: Uh, Yeah, amazing. So we had two two really good good speakers. And um, so this is a course that's being run uh, within the School of Psychology at UQ. And every week we'll have a couple of presenters talking uh, to a couple of uh, topics or questions. We'll put that question list up too on on twitter as well so people can see the questions we'll be touching based to on each week uh but yeah some really interesting points made about how we go about measuring some of the complexities there and some of the difficulties so we might just review that a little bit first and i think that's the aim right is the aim to sort of do a little review on that topic for our podcast the, yeah, 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 yeah yeah yeah
0: sure well that's right and if we think about what ways can we measure compassion this is a topic kind of dear to our hearts as well and it begins really with uh kind of the problem of of what is the definition right? it's very difficult to measure something until we've really worked out how we might define it and Suzanne really was able to to kind of um you know discuss some of the the, the tricky bits with that the, the difficult multi-dimensional elements to compassion and, mm. and, and and almost you know what one of the things that arose for me is you know should we or, or 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 can one scale even measure such a multidimensional construct as, mm. as compassion mm. uh, compassion and self-compassion and the different flows what, what are your thoughts about that
1: yeah <laughs> uh good question um i wish i had that talk on record and just played that as the answer yeah. <laughs> um but no it was it, yeah it's a tricky one i think there's an important role to play for self-report clearly um, in the field of psychology that's what we do we generate uh, measures to look at abstract concepts things like happiness love um, and so on we, we develop measures that's what we like to do and there's often many different forms of self-report to tap into these measures so I do think self-report is very important but trying to triangulate the findings through other ways of measuring is also really important so there's a lot of people now starting to look at can we look at measuring exact behaviours in specific paradigms? So they'll put together some kind of paradigm to try to assess whether or not uh, giving uh, is occurring or being compassionate uh, to a certain target is occurring. That can be good, but it can also come at consequences as well because there's whether or not it's being driven by a social etiquette or a social norm or, or personality variable like politeness uh, is questionable, But then also the other part of it then is starting, can we look at physiological measures? So things like heart rate variability is a, is a big one. So uh, the work of, say, Nicola Petrochi from Italy, he's done a lot of work in that space. If you're interested in looking at heart rate variability a little more. And Nancy Eisenberger has also done a lot of work looking at heart rate variability in children um, and how that's linked into sympathy and empathy and uh, approach and avoidant uh, kind of responses i
0: think there's a good review that you've written isn't there with nico and, and <laughs> paul gilbert and others on heart rate variability
1: yeah and james Doty uh, and james from stanford Doty. um yes so that's if you just type in heart rate variability and compassion interventions that'll be there and we give a summary uh, on the different research that's been done looking at that but then there's also a whole work starting to look at uh, neuroscience too so um, so trying to see if we can map compassion and aspects on that within the brain. Uh, so Richie Davidson's lab just published a really cool paper looking at um, whether or not compassion meditation uh, actually uh, enabled one to approach suffering targets that they were shown on screen uh, for longer periods of time or not. So it was looking at whether or not it links into a dampening of the amygdala response, which is a key one when it comes to threat and so um and that was a really great paper just published i think in plus one but yeah i mean so then you're starting to try to bring in a self-report a behavioral a brain scan a physiological measure and tanya singer's group with the resource protocol they're going to have a whole range of excellent papers coming out and already starting that's looked at all of this um, in, in great detail
0: Yeah, it seems to me that a multidimensional construct like compassion needs to be um, measured in multidimensional ways and and something that taps into uh, internal processes, both mental and motivational processes, but also neurophysiological processes, and then perhaps something that's more external as well, some behavioural observation. Uh, One thing I'm very curious about is that any given behaviour isn't necessarily itself defined as compassionate Uh, different behaviors might be compassionate or otherwise in in different situations depending on the motivation behind that Uh, and so that's very interesting to me as well what just to throw it out to you guys can anyone yell out what was one kind of key thing that you learned or thought was interesting from that first talk
1: (laughs) they're still here they haven't left room (laughs)
0: We can edit this section out. <laughs> <laughs> someone no, thinks of no, something. No, no, no. I'm trying to think, but my yeah. brain's like frozen. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's fine. Um, basically that um, most measures are only capturing uh, a few of the components and not capturing a full range of compassion. Yeah, especially from that self, self-report point of view, that was really a big finding for, for you in the, in the talk, was that no single measure seems to... Cover across all of those different dimensions. I
1: mean, I had something—something something that really came up for me—and I don't know if others shared this as well. Is you know, a lot of the work that has been done looking at compassion, the distress target that they might use, for example, is often quite sad, and there's a lot of research showing that. Sadness is emotion that does elicit an approach response, like a consoling. There's a good etiquette around what to do when someone's sad. You kind of don't have to think all that much about it. But as soon as that target is varied to someone, perhaps of a really uh, salient out-group, how much does that response then get weakened? And so, you know, uh, if it's someone very different to you, someone who has an opposing view to you... Um, like, I was reminded of a study where... Uh, it was about working with another this was in relation to weight stigma and the person you had to work with so everyone in the, in the study uh, had a BMI um, of 27 and above so they were going into uh, the obese uh, categorization as used by the BMI then they were, put, they were paired with someone who was a confederate but they were paired with someone to do an, uh, a study who they were told in advance uh, did not like overweight people and so they were looking at how they would then go working with this person where they knew quite clearly that they didn't like overweight people Um, and so it's like almost this rejection in the face right from the get-go and I just couldn't help but think if we were to design something where that was to be the scenario and ask someone's intentionality to be in compassion towards this person who has said that they harbour their views of not liking overweight people would they be? Like, would it diminish? Would it overcome? And this is where I think it comes really nuanced. So one scale doesn't isn't going to perhaps capture it, but hmm. so it gets tricky, right?
0: Yeah, and it, it, it sort of um, this might be not quite a, a smooth segue, but from what you're saying there to the. The age of a person, even oh yeah, sure. Um, yeah, yeah. So th- th- this is another the, discrimination. Th- this is the second talk, of course, that we've listened to today. Is is you know can children be compassionate as well? Or or and I think Abby's one of her conclusions there was that you know maybe it just changes across time that, mm. that children you know grow and develop in a way that um, you know might make them more or differently compassionate as time goes on. You, you, this is a big area of of interest of yours. What 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 are your thoughts about are children capable of compassion?
1: <laughs> well, it becomes uh, definitional again, as Abby was going through in, in her talk. Uh, so we'll come back to the definition, but there's no doubt children are pro-social. So there's a huge body of work by uh, Wernicke and Tomasello, for example. Uh, sorry, uh, Wernicke and Tomasello, um, uh, Felix Wernicke and Michael Tomasello, um, who have done a huge amount of work looking at the pro-sociality of children. And children just are. So there's some great experiments if you just type in Uh, either of them into Google, you'll see some terrific... Or YouTube, you'll see some terrific experiments online about their pro-sociality tendencies. As to whether or not children are aware of exactly what it is that they're doing, that's a good question. Um, uh, And then when you start to manipulate it further by putting barriers in the way, um, we start to see different levels of pro-sociality. So Mitchell Green, um, a recent PhD candidate, he's just commenced. uh, He's doing his whole... uh, thesis looking at what costs uh, and how costs might influence uh, compassion so in, a, in, a, in an experiment he looked at a puppet couldn't complete a task uh, didn't have enough uh, resources to do so was very distressed and we wanted to see if children would be compassionate towards that puppet and for the most part they were uh, but then as soon as there was a cost to them that diminished uh, greatly uh, so we're looking to see if this holds up culturally uh, so he's very interested in whether or not if within certain cultures that might kind of have a more of a collectivist kind of uh, 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 importance with with that shift, with the level of helping shift. And so there has been work looking at different cultural aspects of helping. Mark Nielsen has done a lot of work in that area. Mm. But yeah, it's it's a tricky one. Mm. Uh, But yeah, going back to the definition, are they aware of the other person's suffering? Uh, Are they able to use that skills and knowledge of being able to empathize and perhaps use theory of mind in order to be compassionate? It is a tricky
0: question. Mm. And I liked how Abby sort of summarized the notion of sort of secure attachment, a, a theory of mind, um, certain conditioning or social conditioning experiences. Is there a cost or no cost? And all of those things mm. might influence what any given child might ac- actually go on to do.
1: <laughs> it's kind interesting because I've got a kid and he's two, um, two and three months uh, fledge. And uh, we like to think he's a pretty caring kid. And we we, we had um, we were at one of our friends the other day, and um, he's got this guitar. He loves playing. It's like his guitar. So ownership's a big deal, right? This is mine. That's one of the first things children will learn. Mine. <laughs> and um, and the other other kid, I wanted to play uh, with the guitar, and so he pushed her over.
0: <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> I'm
1: like, buddy, what are you doing there? <laughs> I'm like, um, don't, don't push her over. But it's just this interesting. Factor there, like ownership's a big factor um, uh, in whether or not you do share or, or don't share a, a a resource like a guitar, even for just a momentary period. Like it was like, mate, you weren't even using the guitar. Like, <laughs> like, but we can quickly do an attribution. You know, you know, share. You're not being nice. You're not being kind. But um, how fully consciously aware was he on the processes he was engaging, and how much was he just acting out? Hey, this is mine. Back off, and that will change over time.
0: Sounds like the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> do, well, actually, do you mind if I finish with a story about my one of, about my son? Yeah, that'd be as great as well. Yeah, uh, because Harry's thirteen, and uh, he had a situation recently where one of his friends was was going through some some difficulties, and and he said to me that. He, he, like He's never wanted to be a psychologist, for example, or something like that. He just thinks that's boring, sitting in a chair, having conversations about emotions. <laughs> but, um, but this friend was upset, and he said he had this, this real urge to go and, and help him. And he, he said to me, you know what? I think I have psychology in my blood. <laughs> I thought, yeah, that's my boy. <laughs> Uh, but anyway well thanks james and thank you everyone and um i think we can um call it a day
1: yeah yeah i mean this was our first time doing a podcast in front of a live group um did you feel awkward or, or... it was very <laughs> awkward
0: <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: <laughs> See, i thought it would just go so much better in my mind yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. but no um hopefully next week when we uh, what's the topics for next week that we're going to dig into do you remember
0: are compassion-based interventions and are they useful? Compassion-based interventions and are they useful? Uh, can you be high in self-compassion but uh, low in compassion for others? Can you be high in self-compassion and low in compassion for others?
1: Well, next week we'll get into those questions. I don't know the answers. so <laughs> <Is that laughs> good. Look forward to seeing you then. <laughs> See you, soon.
0: Thanks, mate.